You have probably been wondering where we have been. It's been over two months since the end of season three. Well, wonder no longer. We have been traversing space and time, preparing for season four, spending time with numerous cults, receiving classified UFO reports, and traveling the world looking for strange facts, findings, and theories. The information that you will receive in season four will be the most astonishing and mind-blowing knowledge nuggets that you have ever heard. Now to hold you over, we're going to play the first 20 minutes of today's Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over alien and UFO encounters. If you want to listen to the entire episode, just head over to our Patreon and sign up. It's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day, and gets you access to all 70-plus bonus Patreon-exclusive episodes, and you can listen to all of them on your phone or tablet or whatever listening devices that you have. So prepare yourselves, because the start of Season 4 is next Thursday. See you all next week. Theories of the third kind. Welcome. First off, I want to say thank you for opening your minds to receive these extra knowledge nuggets each week. It means a lot to all of us, and I just want you to know that. Also, before we start, since you are a Patreon subscriber, remember that you get priority and topic suggestions, so feel free to shoot those suggestions on over to us in all caps, either by email, Instagram DM, Facebook DM, or Discord. So today's episode is Alien and UFO Encounters. How today's episode will go is that we each picked two Alien and UFO Encounter stories of our own that we found and then go into our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. In the Middle Ages, unexplored land was seen as dangerous and strange. It was a place that people said were full of legendary beasts, dragons, and elves that roamed the countryside, terrorizing random individuals who dared travel there. Today, in modern times, unexplored space is seen as dangerous and strange. It is believed by many to be home to aliens and UFOs that come down to Earth and abduct random individuals. Is this belief of space being filled with aliens and UFOs only the modern equivalent of the ancient beliefs in dragons and elves terrorizing the countryside? Or do aliens actually exist that have been here for centuries and are being covered up by the elite who rule over us? 
So before we get into those theories, like it was mentioned earlier, we each have a couple stories of alien and UFO encounters that we're going to go over. So let's hop straight into our first story, which is by yours truly, Aaron. Well, it's not by me. I didn't encounter it. It's by Calvin Parker. A.K.A. Aaron. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the first alien and UFO encounter that I'm going to go over today happened back in 1973 in the state of Mississippi on the Pascagoula River. Now, have either of you heard of this incident? Yes. I have not. Ooh, you're in for a treat. So this encounter involved two men that worked together, 42-year-old Charles Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker. So on the morning of October 11th, 1973, while at work, 42-year-old Charles went up to his 19-year-old co-worker, Calvin, and said, Hey man, I'm going to go fishing tonight for some catfish. You want to come? Calvin was like, Hell yeah. So after work, they got their fishing supplies together and went to the river bank and started fishing. Now, initially, the fishing wasn't too great. So Charles suggested that they go to the west part of the bank since he knew of a location there where there was a a lot of catfish, apparently. So Calvin was like, well, why not? I mean, it's right over there. Supposedly, it has a lot of catfish. Let's go. So they started walking towards that west bank. When they arrived, Calvin noticed a no trespassing sign in the area and said to Charles, hey, maybe it's not a good idea that we fish here. Charles was like, let's just uh, let's just try it out. There's no police in the area. We can get some fishing in. Calvin was like, meh, what the heck? And they decided to fish anyways. So they sat on the pier of the West Bank with their feet dangling off of it and put their fishing lines in the water. After fishing for a little while and catching a couple of catfish, the men started hearing a whirling, whizzing sound coming from behind them. Now, at the same exact time that they were hearing the sound, some blue lights appeared from the back of them as well. And these blue lights kind of shined across the river. So they were like, what the hell is that? They turn around and they saw an oval-shaped spaceship that was 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high with two flashing blue lights on it. And it was hovering super close to them. So I figured at this point, instead of me telling the rest of the encounter, that we could listen to Calvin and Charles tell about the encounters themselves. So the first interview we're going to listen to comes from Calvin. Now, this interview is a more recent one, so he's not 19 anymore, of course. He's older, so that's just something to keep in mind. So we'll take a listen to that right now. And that's when I noticed some blue hazy lights reflecting coming across from my back out across the water. So I stood up thinking that I was going to go to jail for trespassing. A real bright beam appeared all over us. But it kind of blinded me for a second. And when I got my vision back, I seen three bulky looking creatures coming toward us. And they was probably four, four and a half, five foot tall. They built like football players. 
But I noticed they kind of moved mechanical-wise and they was floating off the ground. By the time we stood up and turned around, they was there on us all at one time. So two of them got a hold of Charlie, one of them got a hold of myself, and instantly I felt like that all. I just got relaxed. At that point, Calvin claims that he was levitated and taken into the spacecraft and then into some examination room. And we do have an audio clip of him explaining what happened to him in that examination room. So we're going to take a listen to that right now. Examination room, what I call it. And the old big ugly creature that brought me in, he took me and laid me on an examination table. And he just backed up out of the way. I couldn't move or anything. I could, all I could do was look. And there was something about the size of a deck of cards that came out of the uh, ceiling. And it hoovered about a foot in front of my eyes. And then it went to the right side of my head and it clicked. Went behind my head and it clicked went to the left side of my head and clicked, and then straight to the front, and then it shot back up in the ceiling. And that's when I noticed some kind of little ruffling noise, and this uh, more feminine looking creature came out. She looked completely different than the, uh, what I call the robot, because he moved like a robot, just mechanical wise. She looked kind of feminine looking and had fingers regular fingers and all, come over and pinch me on side the cheek. And then she took her finger and run down my throat and got behind that little thing that hangs down back there and tried to come up in my nasal cavity. And that was when it started hurting and I started choking and I got scared. And uh, she just kind of telepathically told me, you know, don't be afraid, we're not going to hurt you. You think that's what they tell the people on the casting couch? Yeah, <laughs> the little dingly thing in the back of his throat. I want to gag. I want to choke. I want you to touch that little dingly thing in the back of my throat. <laughs> How do you like openly let something you don't know just shove their hand in your mouth like, hey, oh, yeah, you like pinching my cheek there. Uh, uh. Hey, he said it was very whatever it was was very feminine. Yeah. So that's what happened to Calvin. Now we're going to leave Calvin's story stopped right there with the chick fingering his throat. We're going to now listen to Charles or Charlie. He goes by both names, Charles and Charlie, by the way. But we're going to go to Charles' story and his account of what happened. Now, this interview happened in 1975. So the audio isn't that great. Kind of heads up. So we're going to take a listen to that right now. Of course, we could see them in, in, the, in the opening coming from, you know, when it started out to cry. But did you I think it tell. was people coming out at first? Well, they, they had... They had uh, I, I kind of thought it was people at first, you know, off like that. But of course, when they when they appeared there in, in front of me, um, it was the most shock I've ever had in my life. What What did you see? Um, well, they 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 were they were shorter than me. I'd say about five foot two or three, and they didn't have a neck. They, they had it seemed to come directly to their shoulders, and they had something that uh, came out to a point about where a, a nose would be. And, and on each side, the ears. And I believe that they looked like they were a little longer on the ears than the nose. But still pointed the They ears. were still pointing, yes. And uh, their arms, they had arms. It, and I saw the arms moving here and, and in the shoulders. But they had webbed. I mean, their, their fingers were webbed. And then they had something like a thumb. And they were like this. I'm going to interject right quick. When he says it's like this, 
he's explaining that they look like lobster claws. Their hands look like lobster claws. Okay. Anyways, I just wanted to explain that. All right, we're going to continue with the story right now. They had me uh, one on this arm like this, and on the other one, you know, they had my other arm like that. And they just, I just seemed to lift up to the same height they were off the ground, and and we just moved into the crowd. Now inside, how did they how did they lay you out? Do you remember how it happened? Um, yes. Uh, they, I didn't see any tables or chairs or anything mm-hmm. in there. I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't in there because the light was almost blinding, but I didn't see any. And when they when they carried me inside, they seemed to to just lean me back, you know. And uh, this this eye, well, I keep referring to it as an eye, and it moved up to, in front of me about this close, mm-hmm. and it started right at my eyes, looking me right in the eye. Uh-huh. And it seemed to, it hesitated there for a, a, a few seconds, and it just started moving over my entire body. When they they brought me uh, from the craft uh, along this area here, and they seemed to, they didn't drop me, you know, they just released me back to the ground. And uh, I fell, I, I don't know why my, my legs were weak, I don't know why it was the, the fright or what it was, but I, I fell onto the ground. It's a beautiful accent. He has a nice voice. Yeah, he does. So, just like Charles said, him and Calvin, after they were examined by these creatures and the woman, and the eyeball, they were both dropped off at the bank of the river, and the UFO psh, vanished. Now, of course, Calvin was shook up and completely frightened, but didn't want to tell anyone about it. Charles, on the other hand, said that they had to tell somebody. So they decided to go to the closest building, which was the Mississippi Press. Now, I've heard multiple accounts. I've heard accounts that they went to the closest building, which was the Mississippi Press, to use their phone. And then I heard another account that they went to the Mississippi Press to initially tell them, but they were closed, so they just used their phone, and they called the local sheriff's department. So, of course, they didn't immediately get the sheriff. They got the dispatcher for the sheriff's department. And the dispatcher answered the phone, and Charles told the dispatcher, hey, uh, I need to talk to the sheriff immediately. Something weird happened. So the dispatcher was like, okay, and transferred the call to the sheriff. Now, I have an audio clip of a recent interview of the sheriff and what happened during that call. So we're going to take a listen to that right now. Dispatcher said, Captain said, somebody wants to talk to you on the phone. I said, hello. He said, Captain Ryder, I want to, I want to tell you something. I said, well, go ahead and tell me, man. I, I, I'm busy. No, he said, you'll laugh. I said, uh, look, if you want to tell me something, tell me. I, I'm not going to lie. He said, I got picked up by a UFO. <laughs> and I laughed. You think he hung up on him like after that? Like, oh, this dude's fucking me. Boop. No, he ended up saying, hey, you guys just come down to the station and I'll, I'll interview you. That's what he said to him. So the sheriff and the deputies were skeptical of this entire thing. But they came up with a plan to figure out if Charles and Calvin were actually lying. They stuck a hidden audio recorder in one of their interrogation rooms and uh, took Charles and Calvin in that room whenever they arrived there. The officers would then make up an excuse to leave the room, leaving Charles and Calvin alone in it. The officers figured that 
once Charles and Calvin were in the room alone, that they would talk to each other about how it was fake and all made up. The sheriff thought that this was a great idea and, of course, set everything up, the hidden audio recorder and all that stuff. Once Charles and Calvin arrived, they were taken to the interrogation room, questioned, and then the officers left. After they came back, they told Charles and Calvin to go home and that they would contact them later after they investigated it. Once they left, the officers took out the hidden audio recorder and listened to it. Now, I do have an actual audio recording of it, but it's super bad quality. I mean, extremely bad. I had to listen to it damn near 30 to 40 times to get a transcript. So I figured instead of us listening to that horrible audio quality, that I would have Dan and Hans each take a roll of Charles and Calvin and read off the script of what Charles and Calvin said to each other in the interrogation room that was caught on the hidden audio recording while the officers were not inside there. So I'm going to set the scene and I want you guys to play the part. Okay, Hans, you're the 42-year-old Charles. Dan, you're 19-year-old Calvin. All right, take it away. Jesus Christ, God have mercy. I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth, and now I've got to go through something like this. They could have done anything to us. I, I just want to cry right now. What, what's so damn bad about this is that nobody's going to believe us. I, I just got to get home and get to bed or get me some nerve pills or something. See a doctor. I can't stand it. I'm about to fall to pieces. When we get through this, I'll get you some, settle you down so you can get some damn good sleep. Bravo. That was great acting between you guys. Excellent. So that was part of the transcript of what was recorded. Now, the officers, of course, heard this and they were still kind of skeptical that Charles and Calvin were telling the truth. So people in the town started to hear about the story and actually started to make fun of Charles and Calvin, you know, asking them about, oh, how are the aliens doing today? And kind of like teasing them about the UFO encounter. This took a gigantic toll on Calvin. I mean, he was already nervous to begin with and didn't want to talk about it. But because of this, he had a nervous breakdown and was actually admitted to a hospital. So while Calvin was in the hospital, Charles decided to shut the people up in his town, and he wanted to prove to them that he was indeed telling the truth. So he traveled to New Orleans and took a lie detector test in which he passed. Now, the news of Charles passing this lie detector test made the story of this abduction spread like wildfire all across the world. Everyone from all over started reporting about what had happened. Charles, over the next years, would eventually go on to give lectures about his experience, as well as appearing on a few television shows, and he even wrote a book about what had happened. Calvin, on the other hand, kept mostly to himself for a couple decades, until the early 1990s, when he started attending UFO conventions and in 1993, he actually started a company called UFO Investigations, 
and this was for him to produce television stories about UFOs. Now, I do have a short audio clip, one last one, from an interview with Charles back in 1975, and someone asked him why he thinks he was abducted. So we're going to take a quick listen to that right now. I think there has to be a reason why that uh, Calvin and me was picked. Maybe because you could take it? Well, it might be. Uh, I don't know. I, th I think that they, they know more of what's going on down here on this earth than we think. And I don't know. They might have been, you might say, looking for somebody that, uh, that could, uh, that could, you might say, hold up under the strain. And, uh, and convince people that, that, uh, that, that there is another world. And that is the story of the Pascagoula abduction. That is the end of the first 20 minutes of that Patreon episode. Now, we do have an extra hour of that episode left, which you can go over to patreon.com slash theories of the third kind, sign up for $5, and get access to the rest of that episode as well as 70 other episodes that we have there, all ready for you to listen to.